Welcome to an inspirational message recorded live at Little Falls Christian Center. Father, how powerful those words are. It's almost as if there's nothing more to add to it. We surrender to you who are the King. We are so grateful for your word, Father. We are grateful for these moments that we may gather in the house of God because you declare unequivocally in your word, my house shall be called a house of prayer. And therefore, Lord, as we pray unto thee, we ask you that your spirit will now move and minister to the hearts and of each and every single person so that the one name, the name above every other name, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be lifted up high and be glorified. We all agree and we say, Amen. Amen. Welcome, everyone. Welcome. Welcome into the house of God and to our online audience, our family that's beyond the borders of this building. We greet all of you in the wonderful name of our Lord Jesus Christ. What a powerful song that was. What a powerful week we've had during the past Feast of Pentecost. You know, so many things happened during that Feast of Pentecost. For me personally, it was one of probably the most powerful weeks that I've encountered in a long, long time. And I could see every single night where the preachers who preached, that they were all in sync with what the Holy Spirit was teaching them. And I could see, I think Pastor Harold was itching to get onto that platform and preach because the Word of God is in him and the power of God was certainly present. Some of you were hands laid upon and others received the refreshing and an encouragement during that week. But now the question lies before us, what now? What next? And 2,000 years ago at Pentecost when the Holy Spirit was poured out and Peter preached that sermon where 3,000 souls got saved, I'm sure they asked the same question. What now, Lord? What lies ahead for us now? The Holy Spirit is poured out, but what now? And God's word is so beautiful and so amazing because God answers that question. You know, God answers every question for us. And in the book of Acts 2, you don't have to read, and it's not the foundation scripture, it's just a build up, because I want to prove that God's word is true. In Acts 2, verses 42, God says these things that they did who got together. It says they did these four things. They continued in the doctrine of the apostles. In other words, in the word of God. They continued with that after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They continued steadfast in fellowshipping. They continued in the breaking of the bread. And they continued in prayer. Right there, God gives the basis, the pillars of his church. That if the church stays with this, and the church do these four things, the minimum of these four things, the church will be successful, the church will grow, God will be in that church because God gives us, He gives us direction of how the church should be. And in this church, I'm glad to say that all four of those things we do, and we do them well. We fellowship, it's what we're doing here this morning. We're gathering here and we fellowship. We have the midweeks where we get, the people get together during the home cells and there they fellowship. On Saturday mornings, yet the prayer, people fellowship. We are a church who love fellowshipping. I think some of you probably more than others. I think South Africans are one of those nations that you just give them a half of an opportunity to fellowship, they will. You call it a day, we call it the day of pride. We will do things, but we will fellowship. We love socializing. 
In this church, we do it, and we do it well. And I'm proud to say that this church really does that well. We're a church who breaks the bread. In other words, what is that? We do communion. Just last Sunday, we had communion. And how profound that was to close the Feast of Pentecost with Holy Communion. And we do communion every first Sunday of the month, and we will continue to do so until our Lord Jesus comes. We are a church who prays. All of you know that we are a church who prays. And do we pray? We gather here on a Saturday and we pray. If it wasn't for prayer, I wouldn't have been here, not standing here, but wouldn't have been saved. I didn't know how to pray. I didn't know what prayer was. When I moved into this church, I was struck by the reality. I had no idea what prayer was. And I do not say this to boast in it, but I do believe we have in Pastor Harold probably one of the most profound prayer warriors, not only in this nation and in this world, because we have been taught how to pray. Every one of the leaders in this church knows how to pray because this church was birthed out of prayer. We know what prayer means for us. And then the fourth thing, teaching the Word of God. This is what we do in this church as well. We have the equipping weeks where we help people to become equipped and raised up in the knowledge of God. We have the Bible school. We have many ways of how to educate people because it is the desire in this church that people be educated. All four of those things we do, as God has said, more than 2,000 years ago when the Holy Spirit was poured out. So now 2,000 years down the line, you can measure every church in this world to see where they are. If they don't have these four pillars, that church will not stand. If you do not have it in your life, you will not stand. And it is this last part, the coming together and being steadfast in the Word of God that I want to focus on this morning. And now we may all go to our Bibles, to the book of 2 Timothy, chapter number 3. And I'm going to read there from verse 14, only a few verses. 2 Timothy, chapter number 3, verse 4. And if you're not sure where it is in the Bible, you know the Bible's got something they call an index. But we will help you in saying, number one, it's in the New Testament. So turn towards the latter part of the Bible. It's just after 1 and 2 Thessalonians. Another T. You get to 1 Timothy, you just turn on. There's 2 Timothy. All right. Chapter number 3 from verse 14. This is what God's Word says. But you must continue in the things which you have learned and been assured of knowing from whom you have learned them, verse 15, and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures. Now, Paul here speaks to Timothy, and he reminds him, he knows the Scriptures. From childhood, Timothy had known these Scriptures because his grandmother and his mother raised him up. But I want you to put your name in there. Since you have come to know the Scriptures, you are then able to make those Scriptures, able to make you wise, for salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. Verse 16, for all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And to do these four things, that they are profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. And then verse 17, the last verse we're going to read. So that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have just read the Bible, and many people do. We have just read from God's holy scriptures. But is that enough? Is it enough 
for us just to read God's word. Why is God saying that we must be steadfast in his word? What does it mean when he says we must be steadfast in his word? And in 1 Timothy 3, 14, we get a great answer. It says, we must give attendance. In other words, pay attention and commit to that. To what? To the reading, the exhortation, and to the doctrine, which is teaching. I read it again. Give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to comfort, to doctrine. Doctrine, doctrine is teaching. Doctrine is teaching. Psalm 119, verse 105 says this, Your word, this word, is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. In that same portion of Scripture, verse 130 says this, The entrance of your words gives light, and it brings understanding to the simple. That's the purpose of God's word, is to bring understanding of that which we are reading. But how many people are just stuck at reading the word of God? And I'm going to do something this morning. I believe that every person has got one scripture, at least one scripture for your life. It may be the foundation scripture for your life, or it may be a scripture that you hold dear right now in the season that you find yourself in. Whatever that scripture is, I want, to do, I want you to do this for me. Turn to the person next to you, to your neighbor or behind you. Just tell them quickly what that scripture is. I'm going to give you 30 seconds. Just tell that person, what is that scripture that is your foundation scripture or the scripture that you are right now holding on to in that season that you are in? Okay, I see some people are quoting the Bible. So, so well done. I should have said, put the, your devices down and close your Bibles. But here's the point that I want to illustrate by this. There's one thing in reading the Word of God, but you just spoke it. You spoke it and you gave life to it. That Word means something to you because you relate to it. It resonates with you for a particular reason. Now, if I ask you, and I'm not going to, so relax, but if I would ask you right now to tell that same person that you spoke with, let's say that, that person is struggling with unforgiveness. What in God's word will you tell that person? What will you teach them? And what will you encourage and comfort them with concerning that word? You see, here is the question. If I tell you today, close your Bibles and leave it here in the church, and only come back next Sunday and fetch it, how many of you will miss your Bible? How many of you are going to go out here and you're going to struggle to pray and speak God's words? Because for you, the Bible has been words that you have been reading, or some of you perhaps have not even read the Word of God of recent. Some of you have been struggling to read it perhaps. But who are you without God's word? Because are they just words that are written on a piece of paper? Or is the word of God written in your heart? Because when the word of God is written in your heart, it is alive in you. You are able to do exactly what you did this morning. You were able to speak the word 
to that person of what it means to you. You would be able to comfort and teach others of what the Word of God is. And it's the greatest tragedy of our time that in the church, I'm not talking outside the church, I'm talking about in the church, many people have left behind this one thing and that's reading the Word of God. Because you see, the reading the Word of God doesn't end there for the believer. You would always want to know more and study it. You would always want to know more because it is in the Word of God that God tells us who we are and how we get to know who God is. Right now, God's Word is the single thing within the Christian community that is, that is being absolutely um, suffering and it's, being and it's being ignored. And I'll prove it to you just now. I don't say these things. I do, I do homework. I've, I've, been, I've been taught to do your homework and present the facts as they are. But I want to get to verse 14. All four of these verses that we've just read, God speaks in His Word, about His Word, what we need to learn about His Word. Verse 14 talks about this. It says, we must continue, continue in the things which you have learned and that you have been um, assured of. It is one thing to know God's Word, but God is saying here, it is not good enough. It is not good enough just to know God's Word. He said, you must continue in that. That speaks of a continuation. We are committed to that. We are um, not giving up on that because it is through that continuing in God's word that you are able to withstand the wickedness of the day. When you find yourself in God's word, you will never slack down. You will always be able to overcome every situation and circumstance that the world presents you. And the world will come and present you with many opportunities. It is only through God's word, by knowing God's word, that you are able to withstand it. So we must continue in this. And then it uses the word here, assured. That means that which you believe and that which you find trustworthy. So when we read this word, we find it that we believe it, what we read and what we trust in it. We find that it is trustworthy. It can be proved. Everything in it is true. So we must continue in that. And only when we are able to do, to do that, we can go to verse 15, which then says that know the word of God. Know what the word of God says, because God makes it very clear. My people lack because, I mean, they, they, they are perishing because of a lack of knowledge. It says they are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. I want to say to you and to those who are listening as well, 30 minutes on a Sunday year is not enough for you. You can't come here and think that these 30 minutes is enough to sustain you for the week. Never is that the plan of God. God gave us His Word, not 30 minutes on a Sunday. What are you doing when you move out of here? What are you doing about this Word when you leave this particular building and you are listening out there? What are you doing after the 30 minutes is over on a Sunday? What about God's Word remains with you? You should not come to church to come and be filled up by God's Word. You should come to church already being filled up by God's Word. Because this word will only confirm what you already know. And it's through God's word when the Holy Spirit was poured out. His function, his purpose was to testify of Jesus Christ. And that those things, then we will do likewise by him, by the Holy Spirit. This is what this word teaches us. Jesus, our Lord himself said, he said these words, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me. That's what happened to our Lord Jesus. Now, if he said, we will do likewise and more and greater things, we have to have that same spirit. 
We have to have that same anointing because how can we do it different? The Holy Spirit was in and upon our Lord Jesus Christ and he did nothing, nothing in his ministry without the word. And the word was the Holy Spirit that came upon him. And we have that same Holy Spirit in us. We have that same Holy Spirit available in us, but we learn it here, not on a 30 minutes on a Sunday morning. I want to say this, verse 16. Verse 16 teaches us now about the power of God. It says here, all scripture had come by inspiration of God. That word all means literally everything. It means every word, every letter, every space in between, every name, every color, every number, and whatever else is in God's word. Every single thing that is in this word has been inspired by God. You can leave nothing out, everything. So it goes far beyond what we know and what we comprehend. This is the beauty of God's word. It is for us. Learn it, know it, study it. Reading will not suffice for the Christian. We have to delve into the Word of God. When it says all Scripture is given by inspiration of God, that inspiration means this. God said He breathed life into it. Previously, they were just written words, but God, God breathed life into it. That means there is power in it. Now, let's think back, because I see many, many qualified people, smart people here, people who know their Word. Let's go back. When was the time that God said in His Word, that there was also life breathed into something. Takes us back to the book of Genesis 2, verse 7. And God formed man from the dust of the earth. So when God formed him, Adam was there, still dead. The body was there, still dead, not alive. But when God breathed his breath into the nostrils of man, it says that man became a living soul. God breathed his spirit and into man, and we are alive because it's God's spirit in us. The same thing God said, I did it for man, now I did it in the word of God. These words in here are alive because God breathed his life into these words. So whenever you read God's word, it is never just a letter or a sentence or a verse, it is life. That is why God's word is life, and when it is life, it brings life. That is why when we speak the word of God, we bring life life into a situation, but if you choose to speak death, you will bring death into that situation. Whatever has been said about your life, you own it by what you say about this. And if you connect God's word to your life, you speak life into that situation. One thing I've been taught in this world by this church as well is this. People may give whatever they want and say whatever they want, and those may be some facts, but the truth is what this word says. What does this word say? This is what I hold on to and what I cling to. This is what defines me, not what people say and not what the world say, because this is life and it brings life and it is breathed by God's word himself. When we look at what God says about these four things, what he says, it is profitable. In other words, it is to our benefit what the word of God is. It is for doctrine, which is teaching. It is for reproof, which means we are convicted. We are convicted to know what the truth is. It is for correction. In other words, to set straight what is erroneous teaching. And it is therefore instruction. It is the process of being trained into what? Into righteousness. If there's one thing that the world and Christianity has in common is the world's righteousness. The world also has got righteousness. But they add one little word before that, self. They had self 
righteousness before it. We can add nothing to righteousness because righteousness is not a word. Righteousness is a person. It is Christ Jesus. This is what we have and what the world don't have. But we only learn this in God's word, that we have the righteousness of Christ. And because we have that righteousness of Christ, God looks upon us and he says, you are my son, you are my daughter. When you come and you repent, I forgive because I see the righteousness of Christ in you. This is the difference between us and between the world. 2 Peter 1, verse 21 says this, For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. This is the word of God. Our Lord Jesus says this in John 6, verse 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak, says the Lord, the words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. Everything that our Lord speaks, they are spirit and they are life. I want to ask you this question this morning. How is it going with you in your Bible reading? How is it going with you in the time that you spent in God's word? What is God's word speaking to you right now in your season? What are you doing about God's word that he speaks to you? Are you perhaps struggling reading God's word? Have you perhaps fallen back and are not finding yourself in the word of God you ought to? I want to say to you, it's an opportunity to turn back. It's never too late. Because I want to say to you this, in the hour that we find ourselves in, the only thing that is going to give you guidance and help and direction and vision is God's word. Find yourself in it, because without it, there's nothing. There's no life in it. A recent study done in last year, it was last year, in the United States, they found that 36 million people have stopped reading the Bible. We're not talking about people that are in the world. We're talking about people that see themselves as Christians or believers. 36 million Americans are now not reading the Bible anymore. Another 13 million say, say that they are reading the Bible less than what they used to read it than they used to read it before. And this is a study done last year. They have found one shocking piece of evidence. There is a direct correlation between those who attend church and those who read the Word of God. They have found that those who are not reading the Word of God are not attending church anymore. And why do I say America, apart from the fact that they provide statistics, is that we look at America as Christians because they are sort of the bastion when it comes to Christianity. They've got the most Christians um, per population. They, they, they're the free world, so to speak. This is the state of Christianity, of Bible reading Christians. 36, 26 million people are not reading the Bible anymore. Now, let's, let's just co compare this. Only 3% of the churches in America were closed during COVID. We had it much worse in our nation. Now, if you had to take that same model and that same formula, what shocking information we would have of people reading the word of God and coming to the churches. That's what I'm saying. And I'm asking you this morning, how is your 
Bible reading? How is the time that you spend in God's Word right now? How much time do you spend in God's Word? Are you spending time in God's Word? Are you learning? Are you drawing closer to God? Where you get your food from? Where are you being fed from to stir you and to strengthen you and to encourage you to go every single day to continue? Because the Word of God says we must continue. How is it with you in your Bible reading? Do you know what it costs to have this word? Some of us have two, three, five, ten translations. Some people would die just to get one translation. Do you know what it costs to have this word of God there in your hand, that which you are reading? It costs the son of our God. He laid down his life so that we could have this. It is the most sold book in history. More than 100 million copies have been sold of the Bible. Let's say like Bibles have been sold. It has been translated more than 500 times. It is the most stolen book in the world. People steal it in hospitals, in hotels, even in churches. Because the funny thing is that when people come and they hit that wall of difficulty and hardship, this is the place that they return to. This is where they go to. But so many just come for a quick satisfaction out of God, God's word, and then they turn and they go back to their old ways. John Wycliffe is the first man who took the Bible and translated it from Latin into English. What was his reward? They killed him and they burned him, the Catholic Church, because of what he did. Because the thinking is, how dare you take from the Latin translation and translate it into English? We have this because people have paid for their, with their lives for this. William Tyndale was the first person to translate the Bible in a printed version, and we have this today because of what he did. What was his reward? He was betrayed, and they also killed him and burnt his body. Many people have laid their lives down so that we can have this today. 1,800 years plus, it took them to gather all the manuscripts of the Old Testament and to put it together as the Old Testament. Another 65 to 75 years, it took them to gather all the manuscripts of the New Testament. And we have it all today. Do we read it? Or does it really speak to us? Does it impact us? Does it, does it change us? This is the power of God's Word. Many have laid down their lives so that we can have this. What is your situation look like at home? Is your Bible standing there on a rack or on a shelf? It is gathering dust? Is it still as fresh, the pages, as the day that you bought it? What is God's Word speaking and saying and doing to you? Not for you, to you. Because here's the thing, this book, it transforms and it must do so. How many of you have been transformed because of the Word of God? Are you still reading it only every single day, just opening it up wherever you feel, and then you believe that Word will speak to you? That's not studying the Word of God. That's not God's plan. Because now we get to verse 17. Listen to what God says in verse 17 concerning. Because this summarizes what God gives us concerning His Word. This is the purpose of God's Word, that after we remain steadfast in God's Word, after we know God's Word, and after we have come to know the power of God's Word, as all Scripture has been inspired by God, now God says, here is the purpose of God's Word for your life, verse 17, so that you, the man and the woman of God, may be complete 
and thoroughly equipped for every good work. That means when you say you are complete, that is perfect, that you are ready, that you are prepared right now. That word in the Greek says, right now you are prepared so that you are equipped. You are being made ready and able to go and do what God has called you to do. There is a calling on your life which you find in God's Word. There is a gift set that God has given to each one of us that you find in God's Word. And when you find yourself in God's Word, God would say that I will give you the direction and the purpose for which I have made you. You are being equipped to do God's Word. You will, God will never send you into this world unequipped. You will not be untrained. You will not go in as a novice. You will never find yourself not being ready to say something. The only reason why we are silent and why we are fearful to go out there is because we reflect upon ourselves. We do not allow to see ourselves the way God sees us. God says you don't have to worry about anything. Don't even go premeditate of what you have to say because when you speak, the Holy Spirit will speak through you. There are people in the world that need to hear what you have to say, but your silence means that they are being robbed. Many people in this world will never read the Word of God. They will never come to know of Jesus Christ. You will be that. You will be the only Bible that they get to read. What Bible are they reading? What word is it that comes from your mouth that speaks to them? Because you are the living Bible of this world. And the only way that you stay alive is by finding yourself in that word. That word transforms you. It tells you who Christ is. And the world sees Christ to, through you. My question is, what Christ are they seeing through you? Because that is a reflection of how powerful this word is is in you and how it has transformed you. That word thoroughly means you are properly and you are suitable to be used out there. You cannot doubt that. That is the work of the devil. You know, the biggest problem that Christians have today, the biggest problem that Christians have is the word tomorrow. Because tomorrow means I can delay for 24 hours. Tomorrow means I can be lazy now. Tomorrow means I give the devil 24 hours to change my mind. Many people have said tomorrow, and tomorrow never came for them. Tomorrow must become now, because the Word of God says you are ready now by the Word of God to go and do the work that God has called you to do. You know, in this church, I'm very proud to say this, because not only have I been through it, but this church have always treated education and um, equipping yourself in the Word of God in a very serious manner. I've heard people over the years saying, I haven't got the money. I haven't got the time. That's a carnal mind. That is the level of where your faith is when you speak such words. God will always give you the time when you invest time in Him. It's one thing that I've been told. Any time spent in the Word of God will never be at waste. Never. So you can't hold that argument and say to me, you don't have time and you don't have money. I've done many things in the kingdom of God over the years and the money was tight. But you know what? Every single time God came and he gave me back more than what I put in the kingdom of God. Whatever you do in the kingdom of God, whatever you do for the kingdom of God, God is always going to bless you with that. You'll never be out of pocket concerning that. So when it comes to studying the word of God, we have no excuse I want to lay this before you. And I thought about this and I want to give you just a quick explanation because it had to make sense to me. Now, I, I like things for me to make sense. And I was thinking about our Bible, Bible school, you know. If we look at just 12 months that we do and it's one subject a month, 300 rand, 
300 rand. These are the words of a person that's not even in our church. This man said to me, 300 rand per subject, it is probably the cheapest that I've ever heard that any church will charge for, for, for educating their people. If we take 300 rand a subject and you do one subject a month, that means it's 10 rand a day. 10 rand a day you invest in your future in the kingdom of God. 10 rand a day. That is cheaper than a loaf of bread. And the loaf of bread will feed you for the day, the hunger. But the bread of life will feed you for life. And it's more powerful. 10 rand a day. 10 rand a day. What investment you can make for yourself with 10 rand a day. How little that is. And you will be changed forever because of this. Forever. None of us here that have ever been to Bible college, none of us here are worse off. I've never heard a person who has done Bible college say these words, oh, I regret that I did this. I've heard many people say, I regret that I haven't been because my time is running out or I've moved away or I should have done it then, but now my life is in tatters. I've never heard this. Brother Yun, I'm not sure if you've heard of him. He wrote that book or the book was written about him, The Heavenly Man. Man in China, 16 years old, not a believer, doesn't know God, doesn't have a Bible. His father's lying on a sick bed. His mother, a believer, starts praying, and his dad gets healed. And this young boy is touched. And he says, I want the Bible. He says to his mom, I want to know that God. I want the Bible. His mom says to him, well, we don't have Bibles. This is a persecuted nation. We can't have Bibles. He says, well, you've got to pray for a Bible. So he decides 100 days he will fast, eating one bowl of rice, steamed rice per day. It's all that he would do for 100 days. Eventually, two evangelists came and there's a Bible. And he opens the Bible and he can't read. He really struggles to read. So he decides, how am I going to read the Bible? So slowly but surely, he gets reading the Bible and he starts memorizing it. And he takes the book of Matthew. And for 28 days, he memorizes each chapter of the book of Matthew. A nearby village hears of what happened to Brother Hume, that his father got saved. And they start praying and saying, we want this man to come to us. Eventually, the Lord releases him and he goes to that village and he gets to the village and he stands before the people and he realizes, I can't preach. I can hardly speak. I can't teach. I don't have a Bible. And he starts quoting the book of Matthew, one chapter after the other. The Holy Spirit came so powerfully upon that village that they all got saved because he kept on quoting the word of God. All God's power lies in His Word. It has the power to transform, it has the power to change, and it will do that. It will do that for you. I close off with this. I want to leave you with this. John 5, 39. Our Lord Jesus speaks these words. He says, You search the Scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life, but it is they which testify of me. I ask you this last question in closing. What excuse do you have for not investing in your education in God's word? What can you conjure up for why you should not educate and train yourself up in God's word? Well, the time is running out. For as we're heading into the time where the world tells us about, it will be wickedness all around. How are you going to be sustained in this life only by knowing that word. I'm not talking about reading the word of God. I'm talking about being changed and transformed because of, of God's word, because that is the power that lies in there. What are you going to do 
to educate yourself in the Word of God because you are the Bible that must be read out there. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and give the Lord a praise offering. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. 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 God's word's eternal. You know why Satan hates this book? Because in it, we come to know our enemy and what power we have over the enemy. This is why this book are not just words and letters. In it, we discover our victory. We discover our future. We discover our heritage. We discover eternity. And we discover who our Savior is. And when we walk in that, we have all the power over the enemy and all authority over the enemy. And it can do nothing against you. And you may ask, but how is it that the enemy comes for us? It's only because of one thing. It's because of sin. In this church, we will always address sin. And we say it. All sinners are welcome. Every single one of you. I don't care what you do. But we will address sin. We will always address sin by the standards of this word. Because this is our moral values. The word of God. Take it. Eat it. Sleep with it. Live it, that He change you and transform you because you will never be the same. And God will use you and send you out. Let's raise our hands to the heavens. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for the beauty of your word. We thank you that your word is not just a book, it's not just letters. Your word is the Son of God, our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us. And for that, we are eternally grateful. And therefore, Lord, in this day, as we're about to depart from you, we pray then, therefore, Father, that the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit will be with us now and forevermore. Bless every person as they depart from you, that from this day forward, Lord, you will evoke in them a new desire and a hunger for your word, so that when they read it, the revelation will come through your Holy Spirit, and they will never be the same again. Let your word speak to all and each and every single one of us. We ask this in the holy name of Jesus Christ and we all agree and we say, Amen. For more teachings like this and other material, please visit our website at www.littlefallsonline.com.